3CR Community Radio, 855am. Hi, you're listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network, produced at 3CR Community Radio on Wurundjeri Country. And I'm Nikki Stott. Earlier this year, to celebrate NADOC Week, the Indigenous Peoples Organisation Australia, in collaboration with Better Futures Australia, hosted a webinar series called Heal Country, Heal Climate. Today on the show, we'll hear part one of a three-part episode called Healing Our Lands. This episode is chaired by Radri and Yamba Woman, Dr. Virginia Marshall, and the speakers are Niganamangala Garijari Yaru and Jabba Jabba Man, Anthony Watson, Wati Man Kaido Mua, and Wangan and Jagalingu Man, Adrian Burugaba. We're also very fortunate because we also acknowledge and recognise those elders, past and present, that really have um, given us an amazing legacy on country and with laws and language and community, there is nothing stronger. So we're also really wanting to talk about those issues that people are experiencing on the ground and communities are advancing and also thriving, but there's also those other issues that can be a barrier to communities which sometimes can be in the form of legislation. And we're going to talk about that tonight. So we're going to have first conversation with Anthony Watson and he'll tell you a little bit about himself and what he does, and then we're going to hear some really interesting news. Thank you, Anthony. Yeah, hi, everyone. I grew up and born in Derby, then um, travelled along the Fitzroy River, but I received an older family connection. I'd done my early days of schooling, then went to Groom, <laughs> done um, my year eight, nine and ten. I come back to Mount Anderson, which um, is a family property and a lot of our heritage and growing up on the station. So that's me in my early days and my dad being involved with the land council. Uh, I wanted to join him at the march when, when, in the Nukunwa days and that was new towards having industries coming up to the region and what that was like and whether they was going to respect us in, our, in the country that I grew up in and all of our relationship with land and what it means for us and that we lived off the land. So just the time I saw a lot of changes in wanting to, all these other people wanting to change our parcel lease into other proposal. So I joined the land council after Dad was um, part of the 1993 Native Title Act, 92, 93, and he was the chairman back then. I took interest into what is community development being a parcel manager, being a parcel worker, so well, most of my life that I wanted to be. Um, but yeah, things change, uh, and we had to brace all of these new changes. And um, so, joined the native title with the land council um, in wanting to get recognition for our traditional owners. So we're close to ninety-five, close to one hundred percent of the Kimberley being claimed, and land being recognised by 
the courts, the high courts, and for the judge to actually give recognition back to traditional owners has been awesome. So it, it has been part of my journey in building myself up. But you, you do meet challenge. We had a gas project at James Price Point, and it's involved my mum's country. So I had to go and help my, my people from my mum's side. And I was part of the team and got nominated as a named applicant. To be involved, what was a development at a high, big level um, within our area. So we'd never dreamt of these things. They've um, been put on our lap to actually how we work with these new changes. So we made sure that environmental and cultural values got protected. Um, it was a big agreement during the time. We wanted to make sure that um, our country and our people get looked after. Um, so there's some of my journey that I went through beside the native title process and helping PBCs to be established for the self-determination and independence of um, all the tri tribes within our region. They are slowly getting in towards what is PBC beyond native title. And my background as a community development officer and the chair of our community, that um, native title was one thing, um, a tick in a box. Um, we had all these social issues that um, we had to take care of. Um, there was cultural maintenance that we had to take care of and I got involved with the CALAC board and I was the youngest member to actually go in there to actually do project. And out of that process um, in 2000, we developed a European project and it was to get work skills, life skills and cultural skills to try and to embrace our younger generation to find their identity and how they move forward within this new world. We come across the Northern development, wanting to develop our region. What does that mean for us? And big population growth, a lot of activities beyond mining and parcel and horticulture, agriculture. So these were projects that were proposed for the Kimberley and still are. And how do we cope with it and how we live in this modern world? And what is the modern world? Um, well, my dad come from the bush. Yeah, my mum was um, in a mission, uh, born in, uh, within Broome and roamed um, between Beagle Bay and Broome. And uh, trying to capture this new changing environment, what it means for us and how we make sure that we got our security to protect our, our lands, our culture and our people. So I, I, I work towards um, trying to find security towards making sure our people are well off and adapt to this new world. That's been my challenge over the few years or since I've been in politics. So I've been in the Land Council for 28 years as a director and it's seven years as a chairperson. I've been involved myself with a lot of stuff towards wanting to look at closing the gap for our people. So I, I live most of my life and between me and my parents and our family that we've contributed about half a century towards trying to find a balance for our mob to fit into this new lifestyle, because that's all we've got. Our basic background and our lifestyle is revolved around our land. Our rivers are part of our, the landscape, and they are the stuff that we have been protecting, and we need to make sure that it works for us and take care of us for the next um, century and beyond. So they, they just struggled. People seem to lose that direction and take our direction as misunderstood. 
and that's our challenge, that um, we need to create a pathway to secure um, our, our community and my family and other families. How are they going to live within this region of the Kimberley, which I am from? Anthony, you mentioned about the, the Kimberley Law and Culture Centre. How important is it to make sure that uh, the cultural bosses still have that cultural authority? In other words, you know, that sometimes there's interference from legislation that comes from a Western system. So how important is it that senior people can retain that authority, even where bad legislation is a barrier? How does that work? Um, I had to grow up in knowing that um, a lot of the legislations and acts that get put into place does affect us um, badly. Um, Our concern is with this new heritage bill that is proposed and um, is going through the the details and what it means for us. That's a lot of the challenge that we got. So it is a concern and we need to call on this government to actually say, well, um, and we do have a voice and we need our voice to be heard towards making sure that these future acts actually evolve around us, that we're part of the decision-making. It's, it's, it's our heritage. It's our country. We've got NATO title recognitions. It's hard to understand that this government talk about uh, reconciliation. And these are the challenges that we've got to say, well, these laws are in place, these actions are in place, but it's not followed through. So it's for me as a young fellow growing up um, and knowing all of these things meant to work and it doesn't work and um, and if it does work it works against us um, so it's disheartening. It is and, and there's some of those um, really strange sections in in that bill um, that don't allow for disclosure can you explain that to everybody and what that means in the current um, heritage bill in Western Australia? There's a lot of things that we need to clear up we're not asking mm-hmm. for veto but we should be given veto Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we need, it's our heritage. We need to be in a decision making process towards decision about our culture. So mm-hmm. there's things that we've seen so far and what was presented, and we're working off those proposals from the um, state government is that um, the mining companies determine what is low, medium, and high mm-hmm. impact. And they can come across sites where it is very high but they can downgrade it to no low impact, which is, does affect us. And, and so what does it mean in this heritage bill? People have been talking about Section 18. What does that mean? The issue of Section 18 has destroyed um, our site. Um, we under the gas project, we said not to use the Section 18. We agreed with the government to um, do a project there. They did do a Section 18 and... Section 18 has been branded a new um, number. So mm-hmm. Section 18 is still there and it can destroy sites like the Jukun And so what are other things that really don't feel right in this bill? That, you know, we, we hear also that a number of people across Australia from different communities are supporting you and, and communities in Western Australia that they see as unfair. What other issues... I really don't sit well with community. Yeah, one of the issues is that um, we could get penalised as Indigenous people for withholding uh, heritage knowledge. And um, so it makes it um, difficult 
for me to learn culture from my dad um, because I got the knowledge. Um, it's difficult if I do tell my kids and they could be liable for fines. So these are some of the stuff that um, we're trying to sort out with this government to um, say we, um, you haven't settled with us on that. So there is some penalty for organisations and individuals like myself um, if we don't come forward and share that knowledge. And we have um, protocols here that um, you cannot put this stuff up on for display when it's um, restricted evidence. So we can't have everyone seeing it. So the, this bill, we see it as making it easy for the mining industry. It should be an Aboriginal Act, not a mining act. Yeah, so there is difficult, and I, I worry that if we can't transfer, I can't transfer that knowledge to the younger generation and my kids, then um, whether it's, it, it's cultural genocide. So these are issues that we have to toy with and break down that bill, that proposed bill, towards what it means for us. So, um, but the minister hasn't hasn't um, actually showed us. We are asking him to show us his changes. Um, he keep falling back to saying that he has consulted. But yeah, that's not good enough. And one of the big issues too that we heard a number of years ago was that the minister can actually deregister sites. Is this the, the same situation in the current bill, the Heritage Bill? Yeah, there, there's a number of disappointing points within the bill. Um, so we're still waiting for the minister, but it needs to be a three-way conversation. Mm. The mining industry needs to be part of the table in negotiation to this new proposed bill. And it was meant to have an opportunity to, um, to make something better. And it's very unique in the Kimberley because the Kimberley Land Council was formed from a people's movement you know, many other land councils are formed in different reasons, but with Nukumba, um and, and your father, John Watson, was also there. Yeah, the dad yeah. went to it and he said that um, he's going to go on march and he's going to get mm. arrested. Mm. I wanted to go with him. Um, he was worried by, about my safety and if he get arrested. And we formed on that, please don't touch our sacred sites. Mm. Um, so, so we got more stronger and um, more smarter towards actually dealing in um, working with the mining industry. Um, so it, it seems silly that this government want to create something which is uh, discriminate towards us. And I guess one of the things that you're looking at too is free, prior and informed consent. Is that the same as a veto or do you think free, prior and informed consent, if we could explain that to a lot of people listening tonight? Yeah, it's it's for us, for us to um, determine what is high heritage issues, and for us to make a decision towards what should be done for our region. We're in the Kimberley, which is um, have um, a lot of minerals and basin. We've got over a thousand years of energy with uranium, gas, oil, mineral sands, arsenic. We know that government would want to go into our country. We know the mining company want to go into it, but it needs to be regulated. Um, so we can't have um, the mining company and the government regulate something for us. Um, we have to be part of it. 
And that's really important with a people's movement. And I think probably that's what we're going to see in that space in Western Australia with um, protests against the Cultural Heritage Bill and, and a lot of support that you're going to have for community um, and in the way that people can really spell out what's wrong and make it right. And that means also making good law, making sure that the law works for community. You're listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network. So thank you so much, Anthony. We're just going to go and have a yarn with Cato. Cato, can you just tell um, everyone listening tonight a little bit about yourself and your experience and exactly what makes you get up in the morning and uh, want to fight on? Yeah, hi, everyone. Um, Yeah, so Cato Muir is the name. I'm uh, coming to you from my hometown of Leonora, which is... uh, out on the edge of the desert and the goldfields region of Western Australia. About 80, 90 k's north of where I'm sitting now is a place called Weibo. And Weibo is a very important Aboriginal site, uh, part of a major dreaming track. And in 1968 and 69, a prospector pegged a lease over that site to take uh, the sacred stones away and use in ornamental fireplaces. My elders at that time stood up against him between 1969 to 1970. And it was actually an unusual thing to be doing out in this country, uh, standing up against uh, the white man, as uh, many experiences of many other First Nations peoples from throughout Australia have, uh, you know, the uh, policies were often enforced at the end of a barrel of a gun. And so it took a lot of courage for them to stand up and push back. And what came out of that fight was the current Aboriginal Heritage Act. And it was amended a couple of times. The other time you referred to with Anthony there was uh, in 1980. So the legislation was introduced in 1972, amended in 1980 as a result of the Nukumbar protests. And this piece of legislation has served to protect our heritage and our culture. And I think one, one of the misconceptions we need to strike away immediately is that these places are our religious places. They are sacred places. That's where we engage with uh, the divine in that sense. And legislation aimed at uh, development approvals and archaeological assessments are basically preventing us from exercising our spiritual inheritance. And The experience that we have today is as a result of the devastation caused by Rio Tinto at uh, Dukan Gorge. The other bits of information that comes through about uh, the Marindu experience, where the state government in Western Australia introduced a special piece of legislation to excise an area of land from the operation of the Aboriginal Heritage Act, 
we then find out uh, within the last few weeks that um, of the 100-plus different sites there, about 20 were excavated, and the archaeological material were later dumped by Rio Tinto and what was then Charles, oh, prior to Charles Darwin University, I think it was NTU, uh, were dumped at the uh, Darwin rubbish tip. And so the experience that we have as uh, First Nations, Aboriginal people with uh, cultural connections to our heritage and our culture that we share with our other brothers and sisters along dreaming tracks and other uh, forms of association. We have this awful situation in Western Australia where industry and government collude to ensure the destruction of our heritage. Now, this uh, draft legislation is no different. It gives the minister all the power. The minister was quoted as saying that um, gives uh, Aboriginal people a greater role in decision-making, but what it actually does is it actually puts us at the centre of everyone else's decisions, whether they're mining companies or government. And the veto... Uh, I'm not afraid to ask for a veto, but the veto is not a veto against development. The veto that we're asking for is a veto against destruction of our sites so that we have the final say on that. It's, um, it's unbelievable that in today's day and age, we have a Minister of the Crown continuing to execute destruction orders against our sites without our consent. I'll just give you a couple of figures there. In um, 10 years between um, 2010 to 2020, ministers, so whether they're Ben Wyatt, uh, Steve Dawson or Liberal ministers before that, mm. approved 460 applications made by mining companies to destroy protected areas or sacred sites. And in that 10-year period, only one of those applications was rejected. Now, of those 460 applications, we have no idea how many actual sites were in the applications. One application contains about 50 separate sites. So what we're really basically saying to the government today is stop what you're doing, come back, talk to us, and co-design a heritage protection framework that actually is aimed at protecting, celebrating our culture and our heritage and not to be making assessments based on the social and economic interest of the state. That should be a separate process. What we really need to be looking at is valuing and protecting cultural heritage places uh, based on their inherent cultural heritage values so you know you, you can't you don't have to be a road scholar to work out what that uh why we're talking about healing land healing land because we had one of our most uh oldest um heritage places bombed blown up under the sanction of the state with uh, a multinational mining company who doesn't appear to have learned anything both the state government and the mining company uh, hoping this issue will go away. They're proceeding as business as usual. The government released a Aboriginal Heritage Act, which they put out for public consultation. 
we understand today that since that public consultation process, they have redrafted that piece of legislation 20 times without any reference to anyone. We don't know what goes on behind closed doors. They may be doing it with the hand of the uh, mining companies on the pen, but uh, we don't know that. So our, um, our message to the government is come back to us, co-design legislation that protects our heritage, and it's not about development. I would love to see a piece of legislation that celebrates our culture and our heritage, legislation that protects our languages. You know, this is an opportunity. The minister we have today is from Ireland. My understanding is that he grew up and went to school in an Irish immersion school, so he speaks uh, Gaelic well. Why can't we have our Aboriginal languages taught in our schools across Western Australia as part of an Aboriginal heritage protection framework? So these are the sort of, you know, and it's not as if we're, we don't have any money. We're quite a wealthy state. We've been uh, blowing up and destroying Aboriginal sites left, right and centre to generate uh, revenue that now sits in the coffers of government. But uh, they're not willing to share that wealth around. And they basically continue to sideline First Nations communities. And the great thing about this, though, is that we are actually all coming together. So I'm part of uh, the Aboriginal Heritage Action Alliance. I'm also part of the National Native Title Council, the First Nations Heritage Protection Alliance, which uh, is formed at at a national level, who's actually negotiating with uh, Minister Lay on the framework to review the federal heritage legislation. But in Western Australia, none of that is happening. The minister's got his head in the sand. The government's uh, riding this huge majority that they've got and they're hoping that they can ride roughshod over us and destroy our sites within a legally sanctioned legal framework. You've been listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network. Today on the show we heard part one of a three-part episode called Healing Our Lands and it's from the NADOC 2021 series Heal Country, Heal Climate. This webinar series is hosted by the Indigenous Peoples Organisation Australia at indigenouspeoplesorg.com.au and Better Futures Australia at betterfutures.org.au And if you missed part of today's show, you can find the podcast and all the details of the speakers at 3cr.org.au forward slash earthmatters. And if you're already listening via podcasting service, we'd love you to subscribe. And why not rate us and give us a review to help spread the word? Earth Matters would like to thank the Community Broadcasting Foundation for their generous support and the Community Radio Network for all their hard work in getting this show out to you. Earth Matters is produced at 3CR Community Radio in Fitzroy, Nam, and we can be contacted at earthmatters3cr at gmail.com. And you can also find us on your socials. But don't forget to tune in next week for more environmental and social justice stories. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
Tune in to Billabong Beats Tuesdays at 11am with me, Gavin Moore, giving a voice to both Western Kulin and Kulin First Nations peoples. Join me to talk about philosophy and dreamtime stories surrounding the waterhole, the sacred fire, the land, the plants and animals. Billabong Beats, 11am Tuesdays on 3CR. There are many ways that you can keep up to date with 3CR news, events and programs. The 3CR website is a great spot to catch all your shows via audio on demand or scroll through our range of podcasts. It's also where you can sign up to our monthly newsletter, buy yourself a new t-shirt, or check out archival audio from past broadcasts. Of course, we're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. But don't forget our mighty AM band. Catch us anytime on 855AM. Keep in touch, 3cr.org.au. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.